What's up? This is Brad Biley, and welcome back to another episode of Take the Stage. This week, I'm joined by Tom Erb. With a career spanning over 20 years, Tom has established himself as one of the staffing and recruiting industry's top subject matter experts. On this episode of Take the Stage, we talk about how you can grow your business by maximizing client relationships. And friends, among what has to be a dozen key takeaways, Tom hits us with a great quote and a great lesson that you have to hear. We are in an informational buying era. What are you going to do differently to close more orders? Join me and Tom Herb as we take the stage. Tom, why is it so difficult for the staffing industry to sell its services? I think the number one biggest reason is because we do a horrible job at understanding what really makes us different. And uh, we don't take the time to actually think about that. And when we don't think about it, then we certainly don't talk about it. And in many cases, a lot of times what um, staff and companies think make them different really doesn't. And so we go out there and talk about that, uh, you know, well, it's our it's our quality. It's, uh, you know, it's our screening process. It's all the same stuff that everybody talks about. And so we all sound the same. Yeah, I had a call with a uh, client last week and, and their differentiator was that they've been in business for 40 years. That's what they told me. Um, that's why companies should work with them. Well, we've been around for 40 years. Great. What does that do for me? What, what does that do for me who, who drastically needs employees this afternoon? Um, I think it's something that we hear frequently, right? Is, is like you're saying, we don't know what differentiates us, so we don't know how to sell it and we don't know how to pitch it to people. Right. The other one I get is that, well, we're locally owned. Well, you know, our industry is made up of mom and pops. 90% of the industry is less than 10 million in revenue. So you're competing against other locally owned companies. You know, there's, there's a handful, uh, compared to the entire industry, there's a handful of large national companies out there, and that's usually not who they're competing with. So it, they're, they're leading with the wrong type of differentiator. Is this new? Is this a new challenge that we have this sort of inability to sell? Or was that just sort of masked by the fact of, you know, supply and demand, people needed bodies. So we, we put people to work. It was kind of easier. Um, is this a new challenge or something that we've always seen? Uh, it's not new. It's, um, you know, we've been dealing with it. I've been in the industry for almost 30 years now. We've always been that way. Um, and we go through the ups and downs of, of, Okay, well, now it's gotten a little bit easier, so I'm going to back off. All of a sudden, we think we're great salespeople because it gets easier, right? It, it, we're not doing anything different, so we back off, and that's what happened to the industry for the last couple of years is for the first time in that I can remember, the phone was ringing with people that wanted us to fill jobs, and people that had never used staffing before were trying to get us to fill jobs, and um, it didn't last very long. And so everybody kind of stopped doing, stopped selling and, and uh, thought it was easy. And so that's the problem. But the reality of it is, is it's just as hard. And then what also happens is you have all these people that hold back on selling or stop completely selling. And then when it starts to slow down, they go into panic mode. So then they, they double and triple up and quadruple up on their sales efforts. So all of a sudden, all of these companies that hadn't heard from staffing salespeople for a while 
now are getting bombarded again. And they're not just getting bombarded by professional salespeople. They're getting bombarded by all the recruiters because we're doing power hours and those types of things. They're getting bombarded by everybody. And so um, it's it's just, it's the pendulum swinging back and forth. And right now the pendulum has swung over to everybody needs sales. And it's tough. And, and I see it just about every day too, exactly like you're speaking. You know, we have more than enough orders. So let's go all in on finding candidates. We just need applications right now. We just need to fill the orders we have. We don't need to focus on this side of the house. Then that happens. And now there's a switch. Oh my gosh, we really need applications. We really need people to apply. And, and we sort of lose our train of thought in making it, okay, why don't we just sort of raise the water for, for both? Just grow the brand. Let's make sure we're getting orders and we're also getting applications. Um, you know, Tom, it's it's an interesting challenge. It's it's thinking through, okay, how can we make sure that our sales team is equipped to to say the right things on calls, to make sure that they are calling on the right people? I, I want to stay on that wave for a second. You know, a lot of the conversations that I'm having, people don't even know who to reach out to. We're we're trying to sell, but we're calling the wrong people. What would you say about that challenge? I think the natural tendency for salespeople is to start too low. They start at a lower level. And I think that most sales reps for whatever reason, feel more comfortable at, say, a generalist level or a recruiter level or maybe an HR manager level or a, a supervisor level, as opposed to going as high as they can in the organization. I, you know, I've always found that it's much easier to be pushed down than it is to try and swim up. And so I'm going to start as high as I reasonably can. You know, I'm not going to reach out to a Fortune 50 company and call their CEO, but I am going to reach out to a, a VP, a senior VP, you know, somebody that's at that level that can make decisions and that can direct me into other areas. So, um, you know, I think part of it is just the, they're they're going after the wrong people in the organization. I wouldn't start with anybody less than a director level, regardless. Uh, now, there are some exceptions if you're, you know, let's say you're in industrial staffing and there's a warehouse and the person that's there that really handles staffing is the HR manager, then I'll go after our manager level or general manager, which really isn't a manager, it's a executive level, um, plant manager, you know, those, those titles, even though they have the title manager, they're really at a much higher level. But for the most part, I'm going after director level and higher. And um, that's, a, that's a big mistake that people make. Now, I think it's just comfort level. I think it's, they're, they're afraid to go higher. And the funny thing is, is that usually the higher up that you go, the easier the conversation is. It's actually a better conversation. A lot of times they're friendlier. Uh, they don't get as many calls. They don't have, you know, they, they don't have their own um, issues with, you know, what am I controlling? They control everything. So they, they don't have to, they don't get insecure about it. Whereas that, that generalist has that little bit of power and will do everything they can to absolutely hold on to it. Yeah, I was going to ask if you thought maybe it was a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, I, I'm i not capable. I'm not in the right seat to be calling on a direct manager, a director of marketing, whatever it might be. I, I can't do that. That's that's not for me. That's for, that's for Tom to make that phone call. I can't make that phone call. Absolutely. I think it is. Um, I think part of it is, is that we tend to go to, to what we perceive as peer level or somewhere around there. You know, and if you're entry level sales, you may be going, you may be more comfortable at that recruiter, generalist, supervisor level uh, than going to a director or VP level or a CEO or somebody like that. So there certainly is absolutely as part of it. The other piece of it, too, is how you're selling and what you're saying. 
Because if, I mean, yeah, there's still a lot of people out there, particularly in commercial staffing and healthcare that are doing door-to-door sales. Well, door-to-door sales, you're talking to receptionists, you're talking to gatekeepers, you're talking to, um, you know, whoever's at the front desk, you're talking to, you know, they are going to tend to steer you towards a, a person that's at a lower level instead of saying, oh, you need to talk to the executive level. So a lot of times we kind of get pushed to that. And then also it's it's the questions we ask when we do cold calls. We don't ask who's responsible for your staffing. We ask who handles your staffing. Oh, well, the receptionist is the one who places the orders. Oh, the scheduler is the one that is working with the staffing companies. Well, yeah, but they're not making the decision. So it, a lot of it also is about just how we sell. Let's say that you do get sort of intercepted by a gatekeeper, right? And they push you down the ladder farther than you'd like to be, what do you recommend doing in that situation? Or what should the follow-up look like so that you can, I believe you said, punch higher and then get knocked down instead of trying to swim up? What would you say to somebody listening saying, yeah, that happens to me all the time. What should I do about it? Well, the first thing we need to do is, you know, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the term gatekeeper because it, it implies that there's somebody we should get around, that we should push past, Right. When in lots of cases, they can be our best friend and we can develop relationships with them. We, we listen to a lot of, of recorded live calls uh, that sales reps do with our clients. And um, we hear over and over again that they're so busy trying to get right past that gatekeeper. They don't ask them their name. They don't try to build any kind of rapport with them at all. So I think and, and that's how that gatekeeper's day typically goes. So, um, you know, we can differentiate ourselves a little bit by just being more personable with them, engaging them, talking to them a little bit. And um, once we do that, then that can open up some doors that can tell us, you know, they can direct us to who really is the person that, that we need to work with. So that's the first thing that I would do. The other thing that you can always ask too is, who else is going to be involved? Ask the question, who else is going to be involved in making this decision? And so in a lot of cases, if you're talking to a, a receptionist or to a to a, a generalist or a recruiter and they're saying, yeah, I handle the staffing and, you know, they really don't, you know, the, you know, they handle it, but they're not responsible for it. They don't make decisions. They're not the decision maker. Rather than asking who the decision maker is, which could be insulting to them, we instead say, who else would be involved in making the decision on this? And then ask for them to get involved in that. Well, what's the best way to get them engaged? in this conversation. Love that. Love thinking through having sort of a, a, a way to get other people at the table. I also love the thought of making sure that we're treating, I know you said that you have a love-hate relationship with the term gatekeeper, but but developing that relationship, right? And I know in, in, in finding a new job, right? Often the interview starts as soon as you walk through the door with that gatekeeper, that receptionist. So if we're telling our candidates, listen, you need to treat that person with just as much, if not more respect than the person you're interviewing with, why are we prospecting or or having so, sort of this cold call with somebody and not doing the same? Why are we not following up with them and having a, a strong relationship or strengthening a relationship with that person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is for, if it's, we're talking about an executive assistant, maybe um, that's the right-hand person of the executive we're trying to reach out to. And they're having conversations all the time and they're providing feedback all the time. They're giving them, you know, their input and and there's value in that. So especially if they work with them for a while. So we absolutely want that person to speak highly of us and to um, maybe 
put our information up to the top of the pile when they're talking to that executive. I, I love that. Tom, you've, you've done a lot of research. You've worked with a lot of companies across the industry. Why won't businesses give us their business? What do you see? The biggest thing is that we, we haven't done anything to show them why we should be doing business with them. We, we've created no demand on our side. The demand's all on their side. And so that's the first thing is how do we get them interested in wanting to work with us as opposed to giving us a chance? I hate that term. Oh, we'll just give us a chance, right? That, that implies that, you know, we're asking for something charitable or, or that, you know, we're, we're at a lesser level. What we really need to be talking about is this is why we're different. This is why we're better. Here's the proof. Give them tons of proof about performance and then say, would you like to also have that same level of, of performance? And so then there's demand that's created. They don't give it to us because we've done nothing to distinguish ourselves. And, you know, if you're in any kind of a market, even a smaller market, you may, you know, smaller markets may have 20, 30 staffing companies. Larger markets have hundreds of staffing companies. And it all tends to even out per capita, right? You know, it all tends to be about the same the same staffing companies per capita. Um, so we're competing against all these other staffing firms. We sound exactly the same as them, all the rest of them. And so they just they don't have time to go through and research on their own. You know, why should they work with us? So that's why they don't give us the business usually. Yeah, and, and we shouldn't expect them to go and research us, right? If, if we're thinking through just consumer behaviors, right? If you want to buy a new zip-up or you want to buy a new watch, whatever it might be, you do your own research, right? But you also need to be backed by reviews, testimonials, the social proof, the other proof that you were just alluding to. Friends, when it comes to an online review, 96% of people are going and looking at online reviews to see the negatives, not the positives. They're going to discredit your organization. They organically want to trust you. They want to give you their business. They want to work with you as a job seeker. I know we're talking sales side today. They want to work with you. 96% of people look at a review though. They're looking for the one person who said, this company stinks, don't work with them and here's why. So if, if you don't have that proof, if you don't have those reviews, if you can't back up everything that you're saying in the conversation that you're having with individuals and decision makers, they're going to somebody else. That's right, right. It's, we're in an era of informational buying. You know, the, the days of us just calling up and they go, you know what, today's your lucky day. Uh, that's that's over. They're going to go out. They can do quick research on you and all the information that you have out there needs to reinforce enforce what your value prop is or even better yet, give it to them. Right. You know, don't make them go out and search for it. So because who knows what they're going to find. So instead, provide it to them, provide them testimonials and case studies and and uh, you know references and and all the different things that just show you know, data, as much data as we possibly can, all the stuff that quantifiably shows our value. Yeah, impulse buys are, are for checkout lines, right? If you think about an impulse buy, it's for, it's for Snickers, it's for M&Ms. No one is making a staffing decision or a decision that drastically impacts their business like staffing services on an impulse, nobody. So as Tom's saying, we need all of that proof so that when we go into a conversation, we finally have the opportunity to meet with somebody, we can say, listen, Here's how we can walk, walk the walk and talk the talk. Tom, we talked about reasons why people won't work with us. Let's look at the other side of that. Why will they work with us? Well, it's, 
it's the opposite, right? It's it's that um, we have created demand, and um, that is. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier than people think it is. You know, people think that oh, all they want to do is go based on price. No, they don't. I mean, some of them do. Um, and yeah, that's the lowest common denominator, and that's what they will eventually resort to if they can't see any difference between us. But if we can reinforce what our value is, and we shift the scales, right now the scales are all demand on their side. We want to work with them. To, to them, we're just another of a couple hundred staffing companies that calls on them. But if all of a sudden we can start to talk to them about, this is what we've done with other similar companies, these are the types of companies that work with us and that trust us for their staffing needs every day. Here's proof. Here's all of this. We have thought leadership, have all these different things that just reinforce what our uh, what our differentiators are. Then all of a sudden they go, you know what? XYZ staffing seems a lot different than the others. And uh, I'm going to do some more research on this. I'm going to check into them more. And maybe I do want to work with them. And then all of a sudden that that shifts the demand. So it's really about proof. It's, you know, as, as salespeople, we can be the most credible, honest salesperson in the world. They're still going to look at us skeptically because we're a salesperson. And they've been burned before. They've been burned multiple times. People have promised stuff before. So for us to just say generic things like we have better quality or we have better service delivery or, you know, we'll do a great job for you. We care, you know, whatever it is. Um, they just go, oh, yeah, heard it all before multiple times. Yeah. And so if we can then say, it's, a, it's like, a, it's like, it's, yeah. it's like an X, right? It's like a past relationship, right? It's like, I've heard that right. before, but how is this going to change things? How are you going to be different? From exactly. Me? Right. Yes. Yeah. So until we can share that proof with them, um, yeah, they're just, they're just not going to believe it. Hey, I want to take a short pause to tell you about the smart ideas newsletter from Haley marketing. You need ideas to help strengthen your staffing company, ideas to boost sales, ideas to help you compete, and you don't have time to waste. With the Smart Ideas newsletter, each Saturday morning, you'll receive one actionable idea, a specific strategy you can immediately put into action to help grow your business. Ready to get started? Visit HaleyMarketing.com to sign up today. All right, let's get back to the show. Tom, we're, we're talking through a lot of... Um, it's sales development, but it also intertwines really well with marketing, which is what we do at Haley Marketing. But I, I want to get your thoughts specifically, right? So what you've outlined, what I've discussed too, it, it's a lot, right? So building this proof, building case studies, building content, building thought leadership, building your personal brand, um, developing online reviews, strengthening relationships. That is a ton that you could be doing for your business. Where would you say Brad's staffing firm should get started? If you're thinking through how to develop sort of this, I don't want to say marketing strategy because I want to leave the word marketing out of it, but this business development strategy, yeah. where do you get started? Well, the number one thing, if you're looking for, for proof, um, the, the number one quickest and most effective thing you can do is have testimonials. Get, go out and get testimonials. Uh, if you struggle to get testimonials then and you're a manager or an owner, then uh, run contests internally and provide incentives for your employees going and getting testimonials. Um, testimonials are gold. And get testimonials where you're allowed to use the person's name, their title, and the company. 
because generic testimonials, we've all seen them and we all think the same thing, which is that was made up. It does. You can have the greatest testimony in the world, but as soon as they say, oh, but don't use my name or the company, throw it away. It's so, so that's the number one quickest way that somebody can do it. You don't need, you don't need an internal marketing person. You don't need, don't need third party marketing or anything. Get it started with that first. Then you can start to get into some of the things like blogs and, and, um, you know, ebooks and and other types of things you know sell sheets and all of those things um you know i've i've been saying for a long time that when i started doing sales years ago you had sales over here and you had marketing over here right and they would interact a little bit well now we are intertwined and it is again it goes back to that informational buyer and if you're selling you need to have the marketing that backs it up you need to have that proof but it starts with testimonials. It starts. It starts with just name dropping your well-known companies, the companies that give you credibility. I call it the celebrity endorsement, uh, yeah, approach. Is that if I've got this great company, this Fortune 50 company, or this really well-known company that's in the in the market or in the uh, industry that I'm selling to, then to me that's that's immediate credibility to say that I work with them. Now you're going to have some clients that say that they don't want you to say that, but those are few and far between. And, and, you know, well, it's not a big secret. If they're, if they're using us to provide them with staffing, then why is it a big secret? But yeah, we'll deal with the ones that say we can't do it every once in a while. Yeah. I, so there's, there's two things there. One, I, I saw a stat that said something like 88% of people will leave you a testimonial if prompted to do so. The challenge there is we never ask. We think it's too self-centered. We think it's too egotistical. We think it's too much, you know, me, me, me to say, listen, Tom, I know you love working with me. Could you maybe take 30 seconds just to write up what it's like to work with Brad Biley or Brad staffing firm and just ask about it, right? 88% of people will do that if prompted to do so. Um, I've seen that specifically, right? And I'm, I'm sure you've seen at the end of my talks, I always put up a QR code to just say, listen, I want your feedback because I'm slated to give this talk three or four more times this year. And I want to know what you think, because there's others in this industry, just like you, who are going to hear this talk and I want to make it better for them. But I want your feedback. We get really good response from that, but we need to ask and we need to prompt individuals. And, and like Tom's saying, we don't want generic ones. And, and friends, if you're posting generic ones, he's spot on accurate. Everyone thinks they're fake and they might be 100% accurate. It could be from the best company in Buffalo, New York. But if there's nobody tied to it, if there's no company tied to it, we as consumers are automatically skeptical. We're automatically saying, you know what? I don't believe you. Even if it is the best testimony or the best piece of feedback. Right, right. Yeah. The other thing to do too is just always be on the lookout for a great email from a client. And as soon as you get a great email that's that's giving you props for something, respond back to them and go, can I use this as a testimonial? And almost always they will say yes, unless they have some sort of company policy against it, which you'll get with the larger corporations. But in most cases, they'll say, absolutely. I mean, and that's the best time to hit them up with it. They took the time to write you this nice email that talked about how great of a job you had. They then turn around and turn you down on being able to use it. Probably not. The other thing to do too is, if you get them to agree to a testimonial, I get a lot of people that go, yeah, you know what? People will say they'll do testimonials and then I never get them. It's because they don't know what to say. 
Um, and so the best thing to do is just go back to them and go, listen, I know you're really busy and I'm asking you to do something you may not have time to do or may not you know, know exactly what to say. Tell me over the phone or in an email a couple of things that you think we would do really well. I'll create a testimonial for it, send it back to you for approval. And almost always they will do that. And because a lot of times you'll get the clients will go, yeah, I just I'm sorry I haven't done. I just didn't know what to say. Well, okay. What do you like about us? What are we doing well? Let me put it into something and and send it back to you for approval. Right. Give me that honest feedback. Give me that testimonial. That that piece of advice. That that like Tom's saying. What are we doing right? And then leverage that in your sales process. So when you go and meet with a prospect, you can say, Listen, I know your challenge is X. We're working with company Y. We're solving that. And here's the proof. And here's how we can back it up. Tom, I, I had the opportunity to see you uh, speak a couple times this last year, and you had uh, one slide that talked about grading your client relationships. And I loved that. I think it was an A to an F scale. I would love if maybe you could take a second here on this show to walk through your client hierarchy, so to say, uh, and walking through sort of um, how to grade your client relationships. Yeah. And and that's the distinction. I mean, we have a lot of people will grade their clients or they'll grade their orders, you know, on an A to a C, you know, this is an A client or this is an A order. Um, what we're talking about is a little bit different, which is what is our relationship with that contact at that client? And who are the contacts that we need to have relationships with, including the ones we don't have relationships with? Because that's always where we're at our most vulnerable. That's when we lose deals is when we don't have a relationship with one of these key stakeholders or decision makers, and they either have a relationship with somebody else or somebody comes in and builds a relationship with them. And before you know it, we get knocked out. And it's like, well, we had a great relationship with the plant manager. Yeah, but we didn't have it with the VP of HR back at corporate that was actually in charge of the contract or whatever that might be. So so we want to identify it's 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 like solutions based selling it's like Miller Hyman and all those identify who are the stakeholders who are the people in the organization that we do have relationships with and that we should have relationships with and then on a scale of A to F be very honest be very frank with ourselves and grade our relationship and who in our organization has the best relationship with them and who should have a relationship with them too and so the A to F is just, we start at the bottom, which is F. F is necessary evil. They don't like working with us, but they have to because they can't fill it on their own, right? And that's what we saw a lot of people that were calling in with orders and, and you know had never used staffing before. It wasn't because all of a sudden they thought it was a great idea to use staffing or recruiting. It was because they ran out of options on their own of what they normally would do, and now they were desperate. So that's a perfect example of necessary evil. Then the next level up is is um, is vendor, and that's with we're all lumped in, we're all just a bunch of vendors, we're all interchangeable. Next level up, that's a D. Next level up is C, we're a key vendor, so we're a good vendor, right? Next level up of that is trusted advisor, and then and and then um, uh, uh, oh excuse me, business partner, and so that's when all of a sudden then they are, and that's at a B level, and all of a sudden they are um, seeing us as having value. They bring us into meetings, all of that stuff. And then trusted advisor is that pinnacle level A, which is they can't imagine work without us, that we are absolutely essential to their operations, that they look at us as a consultant, 
that they look at us as more than just a staffing company. Yeah, I um, I, I had a firsthand experience with this, right? So we were working with a company. I was personally working with the company for about 11 years. Um, recently, they decided to, to take a different direction, which is totally great. Still great friends with a lot of people on their team. But I had an A-level relationship with somebody and didn't have an A-level relationship with another person. I had probably maybe an F relationship with that person. So when things were being evaluated, we know where, where the table and, and, and things fell. Um, so Tom, what I love with this process is it's, listen, don't grade the, the organization, don't grade the client, grade the relationship you have with every single contact, and then also grade the relationship with the people that you need to be connected with. Right. And, and friends, we were talking a little while ago about prospecting and and we're we're sort of catching two waves here. We're talking about prospecting and, and how do we drive new orders this way? But Tom, this is a great way to get new orders from current clients. If you are not I don't want to say an A, B, or a C level individual or, or have an A, B, or C relationship, you're probably losing out on a ton of business because you're either a necessary evil or just a vendor, right? And at that level, they yeah, can work I with mean, anybody. But, so yeah, what can we do? I, I mean, go ahead. Staffing, staffing didn't go away this year. You know, overall staffing's down about a 10 or 11% across all the different verticals. And some verticals like healthcare are, are down more. But what they've done is they consolidated vendors. So in many cases, our clients, it's not that they're not using, it's just they're not using as much and we didn't make the cut. And it's because we didn't have a strong enough relationship. And it's a very simple way to just go, okay, this is kind of where we stand. And now what do we do about it? Come up with an action plan. How do we move somebody up from a C to a B? How do we move them up from a D, a D to a C? What are the things that we can do to start to really build this relationship? And some of them will let you do that more than others. You know, some you'll never get above a C. Yeah, that that key vendor, but that's all right. Get as high as you can. Hey, it's Brad again. Before we get to the rapid fire round, I want to tell you about Haley Marketing. Take the Stage is presented by Haley Marketing. At Haley Marketing, we make world-class marketing easy, fast, and affordable. Marketing for the staffing industry is all we do. And if you need help with your marketing stack, whether that's a staffing website, digital marketing, branded content, recruitment marketing, or marketing technology, we would love to help. You can visit HaleyMarketing.com to learn more today. All right, let's get to the rapid fire round. Tom, I can't thank you enough for coming on this episode to take the stage and, and sharing your fantastic insights with us. Before I let you go, I got to run all you right. through our rapid fire round okay. if it's all right with you. All right, here we go. Question one, one book that has fundamentally changed your life. I would say it probably was The Little Red Book of Selling by Jeffrey Gittimer. Excellent. Any reason why? Uh, it, you know, it just was kind of the foundation. It was a different perspective on, um, uh, on how to sell. It was relations-based selling, which I've just always carried through and it, and it works. Okay. Question two, one 30 minute conversation with anybody living or dead, who would it be and why? Well, I would say that, um, you know, uh, if I could talk to anybody that living or dead, it'd be my mom who uh, passed away 16 years ago and would love to have 30 minutes to talk to her. If if we're talking historical, um, yeah, I'd love to talk to one of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or something, just to, to get a sense of what they were thinking when they decided to do all this. So. <laughs> love, love that answer. And then our last question in the rapid fire round, one piece of advice that you would give to somebody just starting in the staffing or recruiting industry? I would say 
think about, do you want this to be a job or do you want this to be a career? And approach it that way. And hopefully they want it to be a career. Hopefully they want it to be a profession. And if they do, you've got to approach it differently. And I've been doing this for 30 years almost. Uh, it's a career and a profession to me. And uh, it took me a little while to figure that out. But once I did, then I had a much clearer path as to what I needed to do and what I wanted to do. And it's just made it much more rewarding and fulfilling than just having a job. Tom, like I said, I can't thank you enough for coming on this episode. If anyone listening wants to get a hold of you, where should they go? Uh, they can go to talonresources.com or they can always email me at tomherb at talonresources.com or, or get me on LinkedIn. Sounds great. Tom, thanks so much. Thanks, Brad. We'll see you next time.